What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Little More Good. We're really, really excited to share today's episode. We sat down with the one and only Lauren Toyota. If you've been someone who's eaten any kind of vegan food in Canada, maybe even LA, maybe even anywhere around the world, uh, the chances are Lauren has had some sort of influence in what delicious thing you're eating. Uh, Her cookbooks are incredible, Hot for Food and Vegan Comfort Classics. And uh, really, the first time I ever heard of uh, like buffalo cauliflower wings was through Lauren and her work. So we're forever grateful for her and the food she creates and the way that she, you know, makes it simple and accessible and delicious for everyone to try, you know, tasting some delicious plant-based foods and, you know, all the good things that come with it. And so we were really excited to to have a conversation with her, but we kind of went all over the place. We didn't just stick to the kind of food thing. Of, of course, we went we went there and talked to her about content creation and making recipes and where her inspiration comes from and whether it's, you know, the artistic pursuit or more, you know, really just getting down to business and creating recipes that are nutritious and delicious and accessible to anyone and everyone, you know, regardless of their kind of uh, diet of choice, if you will. Uh, Lauren is awesome. She's just a a ball of energy, so much fun. And yeah, we really got into it with her. We talked about um, parenthood She's a mom. We talked about navigating the world of raising kids and in her case, raising a boy and what that means and how to raise, you know, conscious young people to be the best versions of themselves and navigating how our parents raised us. Uh, Talked about her role as, you know, kind of a a solo um, content creator and what that looks like and and the hustle behind, you know, the, the curated Instagram and all of these things. So it was really uh, a great conversation that went in many directions, uh, but was truly inspiring. And honestly, we even talked about uh, something she was doing around manifestation, 30 days of Delulu. So you're going to want to hang on and listen through to the end where we talk about that. Um, Lauren is truly uh, such a fun person to spend time with, a true joy, and we were just so grateful to be able to sit down with her, share some space across the uh, digital universe, and uh, yeah, chop it up with her. So without any further ado, we're going to let this one roll. Lauren Toyota, everyone. Today's episode is brought to you by AG1. We love AG1 because when we drink it, we know it is our foundational nutritional supplement that delivers comprehensive nutrients for the whole body health. AG1 really replaces all of your multivitamins, probiotics, and more in one simple and delicious drinkable habit. It's science-driven formulation of vitamins, probiotics, and whole food source nutrients is going to support your health. We love it. We drink it every day. It's part of our morning ritual. We know that when we drink it, we've got our daily nutritional needs met. It has 75 high quality vitamins, probiotics, and whole food sourced ingredients. Honestly, I can't think of another daily routine that pays off as well as AG1, which is why I trust this product so much and literally use it every day. We love AG1. If you are looking for a simpler, effective investment in your health, try AG1 and get five free AG1 travel packs and a year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. All you got to do is go to drinkag1.com slash more good. That's drinkag1.com slash more good. Check it out, friends. 
All right. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of A Little More Good. We're excited for today's conversation. We are joined by the one and only Lauren Toyota. Some of uh, some of you might be familiar with Lauren and her work, uh, her website, Hot for Food, and of course, your incredible Instagram platform that you share everything that you're up to from recipes to the places you're going, things you're doing, people you're connected with, trips you're leading, which we can talk about, author of uh, some wonderful uh, cookbooks, vegan comfort classics, uh, and of course the Hot for the Holidays coming up. It's uh, just October here and I know in America where you're joining us from down in LA, Thanksgiving is coming up and um yeah, there's always lots of good reasons to get together and celebrate food and everything that it does for us and how it brings us together and how we can use it to kind of take a stand on the things that we uh, value and kind of, yeah, put put those values uh, in front of us on our plate and, and all of that kind of stuff. So Lauren, we are so excited to have you um, join us for the conversation today. And um, yeah, looking forward to seeing where it goes from food to music to celebrity sightings to masculinity oh, and parenting and all of these things. Let's see what, let's see where we go. <laughs> yes. Let's do it all. First, before we get into the gambit of all things Lauren Toyota, I just want to give accolades uh, to your books because I think uh, as a as a you know longtime vegan and raising a vegan family uh, you know you always need motivation to keep it fresh in the kitchen and I feel like uh, your books are two of the staples in kind of the the library of kind of the vegan cookbooks that you need to have if you want to like prescribe to having meatless options in the household so uh, vegan comfort classics was like a, a game changer and uh, the hot for food all day is uh, is equally as amazing. So just want to give give praise um, yeah. for making it easy to make delicious food. Yeah, I try. That was the goal from the beginning. And I think the first book, Vegan Comfort Classics, for whatever reason, that one continues to kind of be a staple vegan cookbook. Like it sells really well still and people kind of look to it as like one of the main books in their collection so that i mean that is unbelievable to me because when you make a book you don't know what's going to happen and everyone kind of downplays it like don't have high expectations <laughs> you know you do it because you love it yeah. but i actually um i i do well with that book which was a surprise to me to be honest <laughs> does that one lord help me remember does that one have the like the cauliflower buffalo wings recipe in oh, it yes. yeah so yes it has the sandwich actually we oh, did yes. we the sandwich is on the cover and the re the revamped version has the breadcrumbs on the outside which now you see sort of everyone makes that so well that's actually, the thing sitting right here right beside yes. me i was looking for i was doing something with it so i had it out i remember when it was like wait cauliflower wings like what are you talking about how do you do this yeah. and now you go to like you know, mainstream kind of restaurants, like big restaurants, you know, franchises. And that's like, bam, one of the main appetizers and people who are plant-based, people who are omnivores, whatever, they're eating and enjoying something that maybe, they love it. Yeah, yeah. And a few years ago it was like, what cauliflower wings? But now it's like, it's a mainstay. And I don't know, maybe it's always like you kind of pioneered the, the that trend. I Maybe I was an I was an early adopter. I'm not going to take one thousand percent credit for it because <laughs> you can't do that in this recipe world because no. you know always inspo from inspo from inspo. But I mean, it is right smack dab there. So <laughs> yes. Do you have a recipe that's most near and dear to yourself in either of your cookbooks that uh, we can kind of whet the appetite with if if people are listening? 
I think in addition to that cauli- the breaded cauliflower wings or the sandwich, it's also the nacho cheese, which mm. was one of the first really popular recipes I put out on the YouTube channel in the early days. And also it's in this cookbook, but it existed on my blog, you know, two, three years prior to the book even coming out. And that to me, I think is a transformative recipe because it's convinced non-vegans in my life time and time again. I have people in my life who just refuse to go vegan, but they will make my nacho cheese, serve it to their kids, their family, their friends, and they swear by it. Um, even like chef friends who, you know, they're really snobby. <laughs> they're down <laughs> vegetable-based uh, nacho cheese, which is, again, another recipe you probably see a lot of on TikTok and stuff now, but potatoes, carrots are the base with like flavorings and a little bit of oil and some non-dairy milk. And it whips, if you put it in a proper blender, it whips into a very smooth, gooey, you know, queso type sauce. So I just feel like that's the one that always gets people because they just don't believe they can have something like that that's plant-based and it could be just as good, if not better and more, you know, lighter, healthier and all of that. Like you can eat way more of it and still feel amazing after you're done. So, okay, question about um, all these amazing recipes. So um, one more thing I want to give shout out to on your YouTube channel. I love... um, I think it's important to tell people when you appreciate something about them because it's like the world's so crazy. We can all hear some nice things. Um, so I just want to give praise as well to the um, the shopping uh, videos that you make, like when you go to Costco and stuff like that. And you share. Oh, like the hauls? Yes, because I, yeah. I take notes and I'm like, okay, I'm going to like, these are things that I can get at the grocery store that can kind of spice up my life a little bit. And I think people, my thing I always say is like people tend to, we all tend to, and I know this from when I was before I was vegan, we tend to do the same thing over and over and over. It's just habitual. So going into a grocery store is very habitual. You want to get in, you want to get out, you want to go to the shelf where you know all the things are, you tend to buy the same things. And when you go vegan, you start realizing, wow, there's so many areas of this grocery store or even the produce section that I've never explored. And now we're seeing full vegan sections, right, for vegan dairy and and meat products and stuff. So I just feel like it's certainly easier now to find these things. But there is a time, especially when I started doing YouTube, where it was like, oh, yeah, I've never thought to look at underneath the apples. There's a whole shelf and there you'll find dates or like crispy onions and just like things people don't even know where to find them. So I think there's a lot of education, um, you know, that has to be done and like reconfiguring your brain when you decide you want to start changing your diet, right? And your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Where, Where did your recipe development skills come from? Like, was it just out of interest and curiosity like how did you hone these these, uh impressive skills that you have i mean i was always into cooking from the time i was a teenager because i also went vegetarian so i would have to sort of add my own components to my meals at home so i got into cooking my mom kind of always tried recipes so that was kind of around me so i had a bit of an inclination for that but going vegan really made me get serious, I think, about just trying to recreate things for myself because I wasn't finding them out in the world the way we do now. You know, Impossible Meat didn't exist beyond meat. There was basically no vegan cheeses either, which is why something like the nacho cheese was something that I needed to create because I was like, I'm missing this sort of comfort food from my from my vegan journey early on. So it just really came from that. And it's really just like trial and error or like putting in those like 10, 20,000 hours, like with practice comes more skill and, um, 
it was just kind of just learning from other bloggers, learning from watching the Food Network was a big one. Like watching diners, drive-ins and dives was always important because you would see them make sauces from like 20 ingredients and you just, they blended everything or they would char stuff and then blend it. So I found like I picked up techniques from watching what they did in restaurants. Hmm. That's, uh, that's super cool. Kind of like the the learning as you go and like taking yeah. taking inspiration from different sources and you know, places that, yeah, you may never get a chance to go eat or would maybe not necessarily choose to eat at, but you can see how they're creating something from just these raw ingredients. And it's not like, oh, I got to go to the store and buy the sauce. It's like, I can create something and create something brand new even. Yeah. And so it's just that experimentation. And then I think early on in the YouTube channel, I was teaching people that with that series I do called recipe, where I would just make stuff up with what I had in the fridge Mm. so that I would apply a lot of those kinds of tips and skills in those videos. And a lot of people will say who follow me, like, this is how I also learn to cook just by seeing you try something and not being afraid to also try it myself in my own kitchen. So, I mean, that's essentially why I ever wanted to do this in the first place. So was to really empower people, right? And not be afraid of cooking and, and just trying and tasting because yeah. that's the only way to learn. Right. Do you see it as like an expression of your own creativity? Like some of us, it's like, oh, okay, it's just utility. Like you have to eat. I want to eat healthy. I want to minimize my impact on the world around me. So all of these things factor into like what I want to do also like busy people, like it has to be easy, but how much of it when you have time to create a recipe or you're thinking specifically about creating a recipe to share with others, like in a book, uh, how much of it do you view as like an extension of your creativity versus or balancing that with something that, you know, okay, a busy, you know, mom on a Wednesday night or a dad coming home on a Thursday night after swimming practice or whatever is going to want to make a meal. How do you balance that, those two? Well, that's been the hardest thing for me because I think when I started to come into this space on social media, we're talking like my blog and me going vegan was in 2009, 2010. So this was, there was maybe, oh, she glows was blogging before that. But other than that, there really wasn't many vegan blogs, first of all. And so innovation and creativity was kind of at the forefront of what I wanted to do because I really had to showcase innovative, interesting things to prove to people that going vegan wasn't just salads and smoothies and uh, lentil loaf and the basic stuff you would assume, right? So innovation and creativity was always behind what I wanted to do. And because that's how I, like you said, was expressing myself and how I really found my creativity. Cause I didn't ever really feel like I was a creative person. I didn't have an outlet growing up until I found this, until I found cooking and developing recipes. So then it's been really hard for me as I've grown in this space to have to think about the utility and the time management of because I actually don't like sharing stuff like that. I think it's because it's not that interesting, but that's because I don't consume that type of content because I don't need somebody telling me how to make a five minute pasta. I just know how to do it. So that for me is really hard to wrap my brain around when it's like, well, do I want to create this for me and my own creative endeavors? Or do I want to create this for hits and clicks and the algorithm and the keywords mm. that I struggle with? And I really haven't made the leap into doing things like quick meals as a busy mom or how to feed your toddler really simple vegan stuff. It seems like a logical path for me to take, but creatively, I don't feel that drawn to want to do that. 
because to me it's not that creative i don't know Mm -hmm. yeah and it's like i think it's fine like to keep things compartmentalized that way like okay i know how to do this and i'll do this in my own life Mm -hmm. but like the the kind of um purpose or role that you're playing the content that you're creating and bringing to people is like more of those like creative beautiful decadent meals that can be created you know when you have more time or you want to try something new and yeah like you say that it's easy to find quick recipes you know for on the go yeah but. and there are, there are people who serve that market and i think currently currently in this in this year i think i'm struggling with that um with that motivation behind what I do, like, should I kind of pivot so that I can be getting more content done faster? You know, I have to think like it's a business, which it is, and it has been for 10 years. And that's, what's crazy. It's, it has to be a balance of what drives me, but also what drives the, the audience and what drives the clicks and stuff. I I really don't like thinking that way, but I'm starting to wonder if I should be playing a little bit more Mm. the other side. But I like making a fancy cake and being like, whoa, look how cool and impressive this is. Like that's, that's actually, if I had it my way, that's what I would do 100% of the time. (laughs) Yeah, nice. Today's episode is brought to you by AG1. We love AG1 because when we drink it, we know it is our foundational nutritional supplement that delivers comprehensive nutrients for the whole body health. AG1 really replaces all of your multivitamins, probiotics, and more in one simple and delicious drinkable habit. It's science-driven formulation of vitamins, probiotics, and whole food source nutrients is going to support your health. We love it. We drink it every day. It's part of our morning ritual. We know that when we drink it, we've got our daily nutritional needs met it has 75 high quality vitamins probiotics and whole food sourced ingredients honestly i can't think of another daily routine that pays off as well as ag1 which is why i trust this product so much and literally use it every day we love ag1 if you are looking for a simpler effective investment in your health try ag1 and get five free ag1 travel packs and a year supply of vitamin d with your first purchase all you got to do is go to drinkag1.com slash more good. That's drinkag1.com slash more good. Check it out, friends. I I admire personally that you've kind of kept your your social and your marketing and what you've created, your cookbooks. Um, like, I feel like it's always been genuinely, authentically yourself. You haven't kind of catered to try to um, be clickbait or try to go be a viral sensation. Like, it's all been like, very gen like if you watch your youtube it's it's very much an extension of your personality and what you're creating so i think i think that's cool you haven't sold out for the uh you know if i if i knew how to be a viral sensation i'd give it a try (laughs) i I, I don't think i know how (laughs) me too i I was watching um the show on apple tv or wherever it was uh maybe disney plus uh dave the rapper little dicky Oh, I love that. Yes, I love that. And just like before he made it big, like trying to make viral videos, like so yeah. so funny, like going out to just be outlandish and make something. Yeah. Viral. So maybe I think people who do go viral will say when I try to go viral, it doesn't go viral. When I put up the thing, I didn't put any thought into it goes viral. You know, I don't know. I'm I'm just I've never gone viral and I'm OK with that. Look, at I've been able to slowly and steadily like ride this wave of being an, a business owner and a content creator for 10 years plus, which to me is a huge accomplishment and feat that I, I couldn't have imagined doing. So I don't know whatever I'm doing. I guess I'm doing it right. Sometimes I wonder, well, it might be fun to have a viral moment and see what 
what that does to the brand, I, you know, maybe. And sometimes I wonder if it's a bad thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So maybe I'm projecting some of my own experiences in business, but you've, <laughs> you've been uh, doing this for a while. Like you've been doing it for over 10 years. How do you stay inspired and motivated to keep creating? Like where do you see yourself continuing to be a creator along these lines for the next 10 years? Or, or how do you see like the evolution of, of Lauren Toyota? I mean, I wish I could predict the future because I'd love to know the answer to this. I'm really sitting with that now. I think having a child oh, about 18 months ago has su such a profound shift on your mental capacity, your physical capacity, how you view yourself, what motive, you know, my motivations I think have changed and I definitely don't have the answers um, I'm trying to just focus on what I like. So kind of going back to the recipe development and stuff like that. I do love cooking. Like what burns me out and what has become something I feel like I can't keep up with is the social media algorithm stuff. Like it seems like you have to work at a, at a pace that's unsustainable in order to like maintain a certain momentum and status on the internet and capture attention. And that can really stress you out when you focus on it. And I think it's just become a little bit of a focus for me because I've slowed down and I see what that does to it, right? I see what my pace and what my output does to the actual money and traffic and blah, blah, blah. So I'm sitting with all that going like, where's my heart really? And you know, I'm staying open to some opportunities and there is a couple things I'm doing in the next few weeks. Like I'm cooking behind the scenes in an event this weekend. And like, I've never done that actually. I'm always like front facing doing a demo or a signing or like making it about me. <laughs> and I'm not gonna do that this weekend. I'm gonna go back in the kitchen with a bunch of other chefs and we're gonna prep dishes for this big, it's vegan, which is even more exciting. Obviously I would do it if it wasn't vegan, but it's a big vegan event here in LA. So I'm trying to stay open to those kinds of opportunities because that way I can continue to evolve my skill. You know, I managed to teach myself all of this blogging, social media stuff, photography, videography, editing. Like these are all skills I adopted after I left my television career, which I did for almost 10 years. So I'm kind of in this new 10 year cycle where something is being birthed. I know there's other skills I kind of need to hone in on and, and focus on. And I, I would, I'm in the sticky part of it right now where, you know, I wish I could give you a super clear vision of what my life will look like in the next five, 10 years, but I actually don't know. I'm scared and I'm excited mm -hmm. and I don't want to, I don't want to abandon what I've built. Like to me, I'm like, I've built something. What else can I do with it is kind of where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. Would you ever want to have like a, a product or anything like that? Like we've seen like, yes. like uh, Deliciously I, Ella and Happy Pear and some of these other people like that have been content creators kind of pivot that towards products. That's something we've been working on behind the scenes over a few years, actually. And actually, uh, I don't know when this will air, but uh, beginning of November, I released just in Southern Ontario, where I'm from in Canada, we released I released a sandwich um 
at uh, Nature's Emporium, which is a cool like family run business. They've got like eight stores, I believe in Southern Ontario. And so I've got this deli uh, vegan signature sub available for a limited time at all these grocery stores in the grab and go section. So that's the first time like a label, a thing has ever been like in a store for me. And we're working on a couple other things as well that won't come out um, until 2024. So that's definitely a direction I wanna move in and it makes sense again for people to be able to bring hot for food into their homes like you have my books but like yes now you can have these products or these sauces or other things like that so i am excited about that and that is an area that we're focusing on yeah that, that's huge because like you it's interesting right we're we're all our own individual selves like with our closest people and you know quote unquote behind closed doors and then we have these public facing personas yeah. that are like it, it's very much who we are and they're very authentic to who we are but they're kind of our brand right like what we put out to the world and how we market ourselves and when it is like you know lauren toyota hot for food uh it becomes your identity like it's who you are you're the food blogger you're the you know the vegan comfort food queen that has like got everyone you know understanding how cauliflower can be like buffalo chicken and when I think that you're right. And like what you said, when it feels like there's this new birth or this awakening or this wondering about mm, what could be next and how could I utilize like what I've created to, to take another step forward or, you know, yeah, do something new. It, it can at times I think feel like an identity crisis or an identity loss. Like I know I've experienced that in some different transitions in life where you're like, Oh, I was this thing. Am I still that thing? What is, and, and how we kind of navigate through, and hold on to the core parts of ourselves while we explore like where else we could go. Yeah. I mean, that happened as I left television and then decided, okay, I'm going to blog full time and do this vegan thing full time. There was an identity shift or loss there too. And I'm coming up on that 10 year cycle again. It's like a 10 year cycle, nine and a half, 10 year cycle. Mm. So I'm in that exact same timeline again. And it's weird when you have this brand, like I'm a brand or hot for foods, a brand, but I'm also just a person. And it's like, how do you, or how do you, but, or do you even divulge the truth and the truth behind that? I mean, I have publicly now said, cause I vlog and people are all up in my business cause I put it out there, but I have said this in public and on my YouTube channel and was like, you know, I'm feeling it. Like I'm going through it. I mean, does Google do that? Does Microsoft do that? Does Apple do that? I don't I don't think so. When you're these big brands don't necessarily show or expose their growing pains that are happening internally. But when you're like a person who's also a brand, I feel like, I don't know, I've built my brand on being transparent anyway. It's funny to have to kind of just like, it feels like I have to tell people, even though I don't, there is this need to want to be like, well, this is actually what's going on behind the scenes. Like, I'm not this like multi-million dollar business that has 10 employees or 30 employees. I'm just here in my house, like <laughs> trying to figure it out, you know? Yeah. Just funny. Huh? Go ahead. Dude. Well, I just think it like makes it even more accessible and authentic to people when it's, you know, a, 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 you can connect with the person that is the brand or behind the brand and, and recognize like the humanity there. And I think it brings people along with you to say, okay, like, yeah, you know, we should all, I think uh, more and more people are becoming like, growth mindset oriented and knowing yeah. that if we're just the same now that we were 10 years ago and we're going to be the same in another 10 years, like maybe that's not actually the best thing for us, but we should constantly be in evolution and yes. allowing ourselves to grow and explore new areas. And, and, you know, the people who are here for you, uh, are going to be like 
cheering you on, I would think, I would hope, and that you can get Yeah, they are. And that's what is, it's, it is nice to have that. I mean, and that's where I don't want to take for granted, like what I have built. And I think this is a through line thread that even goes back to television where me being me, and it's also like a thing, like when you're growing up, you're learning to be who you are. And I did that kind of on television a little bit, which is interesting, but it definitely gave me that part of like, um, I guess being comfortable with being open and not kind of hiding behind any kind of mask. At least I don't, I don't feel like I do that um, as someone who is on camera or has sort of like grown up over a decade and more in front of a camera. I mean, that's, that that's kind of weird. Not everybody wants to do that. I guess I have a comfort with it and I guess that's helped me. And I learned how to do that even before I was on YouTube and stuff. So I think you're right that that is kind of a through line of, something I'd like to keep intact. And it's important to me that I have as, as real and, and as open as a, of a dialogue I can with people who support me and who are, who have gone vegan because of my help or, or whatever. I mean, there's, yeah, there's an important relationship there. That's super hard to like wrap your head around sometimes, but mm-hmm. it is important. Mm-hmm. It is super cool. We often talk about the the wake of uh, positivity that, um, you know, uh, yeah. a, a person leaves. Um, and often when I talk to people about their veganism or their food choices, I'm like, what was your introduction point? Like, where what was your gateway? And, you know, I hear Lauren Toyota, I hear <laughs> Oshi Glows, I hear Aaron Ireland, but you're, you're always one of the, the people that are mentioned in that conversation. So I think you're like, you are you know, you can't always see the the impacts that you make on individuals because you put out this book and you don't know, like you see a, a number, you know, X amount of people bought yeah. this book, but you don't know like the impact that that has on their, their lives, their family, their community and how that snowballs. So. Yeah, it's really cool. That's what I loved about going on tour with that book being comfort classics. You know, I had this great opportunity to go to my first ever in-person events and signings. And that is where I really felt that like people had the most incredible stories of making the cauliflower or, or whatever recipe and they're changing their dad and changing their health and people from all walks of life, different age groups. It was mind blowing to me. Like, so I have had those experiences. Those aren't my day to day experiences, but they're the the best ones. Yeah. yeah. So kind of on that, that line, um, when we talk about veganism, there's kind of like a you know, the pillars that are often brought up of, of going vegan for your health, going vegan for the animals, going vegan for the environment. But the kind of the fourth one that's often missing in the conversation is is the spirituality, the energy be- yeah. behind the, the philosophy, behind um, the experience of, of choosing to live a animal-free or a plant-based lifestyle. Um, can you kind of share your experience your thoughts on on the spirituality behind your your own vegan lifestyle yeah um i think at the very beginning it wasn't something that clicked it wasn't again like the immediate reason but it inevitably follows i've talked to other people where they agree that it that it often is just like you're opening i say you're opening up a portal to something and you have absolutely no clue what it even is. And you start going down that path. And maybe it happens for people the opposite way where they're on more of a spiritual journey. And then they come to realize that their spiritual beliefs and all that and how they want to be in the world and the footprint they want to leave doesn't align with the fact that they're eating animals. Right. Um, 
so it inevitably just happened for me. And I don't think I would have gotten to that place had I kept eating animals. Like not only do does eating animals clog your arteries, but I think it like clogs up your brain and stuff. Like it really just like bogs down the whole system, the mind, body, spirit system. Of course it does. I mean, you're ingesting death and cruelty. So that is so obvious to me now, but it wasn't at the very beginning, even though I was such an animal lover. And, you know, that's the battle because I deal with animal dog lovers, dog rescue people all day long who just still eat meat. And it's just like, it's just, what do they call that? Co the cognitive dissonance. And even still, you know, I don't make it my mission to have this conversation constantly. That's not what I portray or that's not the message I put out online. I talk about the food because for me, that's the easier entry point. But if, you know, you want to get into this, that this is truly how I feel. And I have to kind of just like, keep it locked up all the time because you can't just, I, I don't feel like I can just go around. I don't want to be that person. You know, I don't want to make people feel bad. They inevitably feel bad anyway. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I don't have to do anything else to make, <laughs> to make them feel bad. You can see that it's always there. So I don't know. That's been my experience with it. It also, I eventually kind of felt like my life pushed me in a more spiritual direction. And I think the going vegan was the gateway and the portal to that where it inevitably just led me to like understanding that there's more to who we are and who these other beings are and that we're all connected. And, and when I started meditating and getting into that more, um, I guess how old, I don't know, I guess I was in my late twenties or something. Um, yeah, it all just really clicked. And for me, I don't know if I wasn't vegan and I was doing all this other stuff, I'd have a real struggle within me. I feel like where it wouldn't, it didn't, it wouldn't align. So I just feel like one, they work in tandem. Like one led me to the other, the other, they just inform each other constantly. I feel like. Yeah. There's a, there's a flow to it. Um, and I, I, I like what you're saying. Like, I don't think, I don't think it works that much to get on a soapbox and, and preach like, uh, you know, this is why we do it or this is how we do it. I think like, to be meet people where they're at and um yeah. you know i think you do a great job of of sharing delicious food and that is that is the entry point for the conversation like look at this amazing yeah. burger um but i i do find for myself like um you know if we if we believe everything is to be energy um mm -hmm. you know just whether that's a fully vegan diet or just choosing groceries that are 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 local or, you know, we all have a, a spectrum of how we mm -hmm. can uh, define good in our life. Um, but just bringing attention to those decisions. So we're not passively um, just con consuming things that are, are bad for our health, bad for our energy, um, yeah. bad for the environment. So if we just kind of. Yeah. And everyone has to do that little like checklist within themselves, right? Yeah. It's, it's tough because again, if you're going to be someone who has a podcast or some type of platform and you want to talk about things, I mean, people can do whatever they want. But for me, yes, I've deliberately strategically had to harness some of my views and opinions to be more palatable. And that's mm -hmm. intentional. Mm -hmm. That's not, that's planned. That's not, because of course I could go on and on and on. And <laughs> But it's not going to serve me. It's not even going to serve my energy necessarily to do that. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's also an intention. Yeah. More of a personal experience that you have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's the thing, right? You can very easily like attract more people with an open table and delicious food than, you know, like 
placards and and shouting and like shaming and all of that and like that's always the tension when you're passionate about something and you have these deeply held convictions like you want to speak about them and you want to share about them and you know when you've come from like one way of knowing and moved into another you're like yeah I know but like I get it I get where you're at but like look this but we all know like we've never been argued into believing something different right whether that's about like some sort of faith practice like nobody's I was gonna ever... say I'm related to faith I yeah. mean people who believe in what they believe in and they want to nail that I mean it's just, it's exactly the same thing so yeah. that's where you just have to you have to kind of teeter a, a line yeah yeah and I think that we've seen it like happening with like the, these accessible things right like the food that you create even in fast food restaurants or like I say earlier in the conversation right main mainstream restaurants having plant-based options and and people who are maybe not prescribed 100% to the plant-based or vegan lifestyle trying those things and ordering them and enjoying them and recognizing oh this is great for me and for it kind of like lifts everything up together that's why I fully support like you're saying meeting people where they're at like Taco Bell out here releasing nacho cheese vegan nacho cheese you know yeah whatever we're not going to stop people from going to a fast food restaurant like let's be real but we can meet people where they're at we can have these options we can offer these things because it plants seeds and i you know people are going in there and looking and going mm, you know i bet i'd feel better if i chose that you know they can people aren't dumb they can <laughs> make these choices when they're available to them mm. so i know i know it's a whole systemic and systematic thing but there's, I definitely support these kinds of moves being made in these mainstream establishments. Yeah. So kind of to, to change directions here a little bit, um, as Dean and I are both parents of young children, it's, mm. it's a total curveball in how you operate as a person. Uh, you know, you're used to functioning one way and being able to <laughs> work however you want and eat however you want and just kind of show up through the day. And then you bring life into the world and all of that changes. So I think what a trip. <laughs> what a trip. Especially for I mean, we're two we're two dads, so it's a very different experience for, for us. We gotta kinda just show up uh, you know, after the, the baby's born and, and yeah. kinda be a, a sidekick to our best abilities, uh, until the kids like are I don't know, it hasn't even happened for me yet. <laughs> I'm still older just older yours? Three and six. So, yeah, three. so I think like a lot of uh, women, um, you know, men too, but specifically women like struggle with um, the being able to evolve their identity to still be Lauren Toyota from Hot for Food, but also now you're a mother um, and you're kind of becoming a new version of yourself. What what has becoming a parent been like for you let's let's kind of talk about that transition and and kind of what your life looks like today i mean it's very it has been very enjoyable in a way that you know that i didn't anticipate um my backstory to having a child is that i basically never wanted one i spent my whole life being anti-children um it was not a dream of mine it was not a goal i was very much against it like if i do this i'll ruin my life if it happens by accident i'll ruin my like i was so like negative about it i just thought it's awful but i also in the back of my mind knew because i have friends who have had children and as i again kind of became more of a spiritual person 
there was something where it was like, I know like having a child must make you more enlightened. It absolutely must. I mean, because it's selfless, but I had a lot of resistance to wanting to like go there, but I saw my friends and, and we, we talked about this. Um, so there was always like a very small little voice in the back of my head. Like, I think for women too, having a child is you talk, you talk about this and think about this your entire life from the time you're born. It's actually crazy. And I don't know what's societal and what's family generational and what's personally actually me and what's biological, but there's so many things at play when it comes to a woman deciding what they should do with their body and what they should do with their life and their livelihood. I mean, this is a huge decision. I don't know how you feel as dads, but I feel like it's maybe if there's not as much pressure because you don't have as much societal pressure, first of all, mm -hmm. if not, probably none. So I just feel like there's so much weight on a woman to even come to this decision. So there, I dealt with that. Then I did it. I was very intentional and decided I wanted to have a child, changed my mind and followed a kind of inner calling or inner knowing of something that I did desire, but I was just being really afraid. So this is not something I take lightly and having the child, I think it went better than I could have imagined. Like I, I was afraid of having postpartum depression and just all the bad things you hear about and, and none of this stuff happened. So I'm very grateful and lucky that I had a good experience, good delivery, US healthcare system, very good experience. That doesn't happen to everybody. In fact, somebody I know who had the exact same hospital and insurance as me had a terrible experience. So mm. I don't even know. It's like luck of the draw. But what was the question about what it's just? <laughs> I guess just talking through, like, I think um, it's a for, lot for a lot of a lot of women that uh, are yeah. entrepreneurs or have businesses or want to start businesses. It's it's definitely more yeah. challenging than for Dean and myself, where we can kind of lean on the system of the patriarchy mm -hmm. to just kind of sure, choose yeah. to parent when we want to versus like you yeah. can't really opt out no that drives me nuts and i'll also take it at the same time because i love being a mother and a parent to this child um and i don't even know yeah i mean i'm not here to solve the world's problems or to solve the patriarchy mm -hmm. but to work within that system yeah it's just very challenging i mean I'm a, I, I have perfectionist tendencies and that comes, I think, with being a woman, you know, having to prove yourself in all areas and never fail and never fall short and meet everyone else's expectations and meet your own expectations. And so it's just a lot. I mean, on a day to day basis, I can't even be bothered because it's so mm -hmm. it's too heavy to think about all this. And you just are in survival mode and you're just like, let's just do this. And I think I've thrived, actually, as a first time mom. And I think it's partly because of my age, you know, I didn't have my child till I was um, 39. So I think that helps like a maturity level. I've lived a couple lives, you know, I got a lot of my angst and fun out. Not that I'm never going to have fun again, but I mean, I did a lot before I had a child. So mm -hmm. I don't feel like I, I've missed anything at this stage. Um, but yeah, that, that idea that it really just does fall on the mother, like it does weigh on me a lot. It became a conflict in my actual partnership with my kid's dad. Um, 
I'm a single mom now, I think just because of those issues, like it's just so challenging. Um, um, division of labor, emotional labor, mental load, having a partner who understands what you're going through as the female, as the mother. So, I mean, I have no answer to this. It's just, mm -hmm. it's a quite a journey. It's the most profound thing I've ever done and the most challenging thing I've ever done. And yet, as everyone says it, it's also the most rewarding and amazing thing. I mean, I'm obsessed with this human being. Mm -hmm. And when you, you see them be like you, like you see these little things they do and you're like, God, that's like me. Like, it's so bizarre. <laughs> yeah, it's so wild. Um, and it's so joyous. I don't know. Yeah. I can't, when you're in it, I mean, I don't, you probably have more perspective when your children are at their age that you're dealing with now. You have a little bit more perspective. I don't know. Maybe you don't because maybe it gets more challenging. I'm so terrified of what's to come. <laughs> I like love him right now. He's so cute. He like doesn't speak fully, right? He says cute words. We have our own little communication and dynamic where I understand him and he understands me. But it's just so innocent right now, and I and I'm so fearful of like what's to come. <laughs> yeah, I think every every stage has its like just tremendous joys and then challenges. Like our my my girls are now both like older. Uh, my oldest yeah. is like turning ten in a couple days, and she's like a she's like a full humanoid, like and yeah. can express <laughs> her emotions and feelings, and has like this wild, funny personality, and like. Oh man, it's just so crazy. And, and you know, you look back at little videos of her when she was had, you know, had just a few words and this and that. And you're like, oh, and you like miss it, but then you like wouldn't trade it because the ten year old is so fun, you know. But in the moment, the two and a half year old was so fun, and so I think it just speaks to like the evolution of, you know, how they grow, and then ultimately like how we grow with them and learn. And you know, it's yeah, it's it is. It's like you said, it's this wild journey. It's wilder. It's so heavy. It, it can be so heavy too, right? When you really think about how am I going to parent this person? How do I teach them? I mean, I think I said this to you in our kind of prep, like I'm so, if I thought about it too much, I would drive myself crazy. Like how I'm going to raise an emotionally intelligent boy. Mm. That's the weight of the world right there on my shoulders. And how much is really my responsibility and how much is so out of my control because of the world we live in and who he actually just is, you know, that stuff drives me crazy if I think too hard about it. And on one hand, I would love if I could just solely focus on that. Yeah. Like there's part of me who would just love if that's all I could think about, but it's just not reality. We are pulled in a thousand different directions. That's what makes it so hard. And of course, I wouldn't give it up. I don't regret having this child. But yeah, you just sometimes you just sort of idealize and imagine in a perfect utopia, I would be wholly devoted to being a mother. And also, I'd probably get so bored in 10 days and want to <laughs> <laughs> so chaotic. It's so chaotic, right? Like once I even posted something this morning about how like, oh my God, he's so annoying when he's whining. Like I've never heard something so grating to me. And five seconds later, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> how crazy. It's like a crazy making thing. Oh yeah. It's wild. I can be so triggered one minute and then the next <laughs> minute having like the most amazing joyful hug that just yeah. takes me to like a bliss state that like nothing else can kind of take me to so it, it is a it is a emotional roller coaster that emotional uh roller coaster. 
that uh, but I think the highs are so beautiful that you um I never experienced those before I became a parent you know like the joy of a a hug or nothing comes close and even animal parents will say oh these are my babies and you know I've been an animal parent for most my life more than a human parent it's not the same Mm. I don't know I want to tell you, but it's not the same. Can I tell you something that's kind of weird? Yes. <laughs> and the thing is, you don't reminisce about all the annoying stuff. You completely don't even remember any of it. You reminisce about all these special moments and all these little details of like what their toes look like and all these things. Every time that's happening, what I'm realizing is I'm accumulating that like um, video of what will play when I die. Mm. You know, when a movie plays and they show all the special moments of your life, it's like, it's this child. It's everything about this child. And I, and I realize I'm collecting these images so that it's not, that's kind of disturbing, but like, that's how big it is that you're like cataloging a Rolodex of like incredible little moments and images of just this person that Mm. you. I think that's awesome. I I absolutely love that. I I don't think it's dark or weird or anything. Like it's, (laughs) it's beautiful because honestly, like if we're, if we're, if we strip it all back and say, okay, at the end of the day, like nobody lay on their deathbed being like, fuck, I wish I just sent that like one extra email or I wish I would have just, you know, done that extra night shift at the office to, no, it's like, I wish I would have had that extra time or like the things that you think about are like not the accolades, you think about the people and your most special people. And usually if you are someone with a child, it's like, that's that's who you think about, that's who you want, that's what matters at the end of it all. And it's like curating those that, that highlight reel of like the most precious moments, right? Yeah, makes you wanna cry. Yeah. <laughs> saw this other thing maybe it was on tiktok but it was like your kids don't owe you anything and it's like god that's so true and like just remember that all the time as they grow up but it's like so bizarre what a bizarre relationship and like it's i'm not even to the point where it's putting things into context about my relationship with my parents it's not there's a lot i think still for me to learn as a as a parent in relation to how my parents were. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm so in it right now and I'm in the day to day that I'm, I, there's a perspective I'm still not getting about appreciating what my parents did. Mm. I don't know. That hasn't clicked yet for me entirely. It's, it's weird, but I'm kind of like waiting for it. I'm like, wait, something's got to reconcile here when it comes to like my, my parents and me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely <laughs> re- relive my childhood through my children, kind of like reflect on, um, you know, what my upbringing was like and either uh, admire or reflect on how my parents like dealt with certain situations. Like I'll be like, oh damn, like my mom was like, like a really good mom, you know, like uh, I'll, I'll reflect on things like that. But it is interesting how, um, you know, you shared this one post that I thought kind of summarized things really well, which is kind of the goal of all parents, like raising children who won't have to recover from their childhood is a powerful parenting goal. Like, yeah, that I shared that from somebody else, but yes, that to me is really, I mean, I don't know what your upbringings were like, but I, I still, you know, as an adult who's 41 now, it's like, I still sometimes feel like that angry 10 year old or 15 year old, right? Cause that part of us is still always in us. And it's weird because I think I'm still processing a lot of that as an adult and being aware of it and wanting to work on it, like the challenges of growing up with my family. 
And now when you're a parent and you want to correct things and you want to do better and you want to be mindful of that. And yet, you know, so much is going to slip through the cracks. I mean, that's just, that's just really challenging and you're doing it in real time. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not like you're prepared and ready. And then you have your child is like, no, you're doing it all at the same time. Yeah. Oh yeah. I remember when we came home with Finn, our firstborn, we were like one night in, I was like, how the fuck do we do this? Like, where's the (laughs) book that like tells us. So we, I read like a hundred days of parenting or something like that. And I was like, okay, we just got to get to day 10. Like, we'll be okay if we get to day 10. <laughs> but I'm like, how are we allowed to take this baby home? Like, yeah. we have Everyone no thinks, yeah, how are you? Yeah, it's weird. You're like, you're at the hospital. You're like, so we're just going to go now? Like, I've only been here for one day. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What One question that I, I think is from Dr. Russell Kennedy uh, that was really thought-provoking for myself. He asked, um, would you let your child relive your childhood? And if not, why? It's a tough one, yeah. right? Ooh. No, I absolutely would not. <laughs> there, you, there you go. And then you can kind of... What does that mean? What do you do with that now? Then the next step was why not? And then you dive into that um, to kind of unpack the well, traumas. I mean, I my whole life unpacking this. Yeah. I know. I continue to unpack it every other week in therapy. Like, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I don't... not. Well, I'll never let my mom won't listen to this, but like, I'm not mad at them. And yet there is a deeper, there is still like that 15 year old that is mad at them. Yeah. What I think for all there's guilt with that too, especially now as a mom, it's like, well, God, my my kid has every right to feel that way about me later. And what an awful thing. And yet I am like that with my, like, it's just, it's too much. Yeah. I think it shifts the focus. Like that question is helpful. It shifts the focus from we so often are like, you know, for better or for worse, whoever and however our parents were and how they raised us is we say, oh, I just don't want to become like my mom or my dad or both of them or whatever. And it puts the focus on like whatever, you know, us being some other version of ourselves. But when you say your child, do I want them to experience the childhood I did? It's like a more powerful motivator right? Like the doctor can tell you, oh, you need to start getting in shape because whatever. And you're like, yeah, okay. And you may or may not do it, even though it's really important. But then like maybe there's some other motivator that you're like, damn, okay, I will do it for this thing. And when we think about, oh, I need to change to be a better parent. Okay, maybe. But if you're like, I don't want this precious little human to share the experiences that I had to go through, it might be like a different way of motivating, motivating us to the same end, you know? Right. Well, and at the same time, I think I, I think this all the time. It's like I went through what I went through and they did the best they could. And that's the reality of it. And yet here I am. Yes. Like I'm, I'm not dysfunctional. Like I'm well adjusted. I'm self-aware. I'm also working on it. These aren't things I'm ignoring. So there's also part of me that really currently and wants to work on the acceptance of all of that because like, yeah, why should I be angry about any of it? Like, that's hard, though. And yes, of course, I would not want my son to go live that experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's my experience. And it made me who I am. It made me, you know, resilient in a way it made me outspoken, it made whatever it all these things, it, hyper independent, it's like that could be seen as good or bad. It has its it has its pluses, and it has its minuses. And we all have those things, right? We all have these things about who we are that are survival coping mechanisms but they're also can be very useful mm-hmm. you know in in who we develop to be and how we face challenges and stuff so 
sometimes it's like, I'll, I'll think and think and think on this forever and drive myself crazy. And at the end of the day, it's like, well, just accept it and move on. You know, it's so hard to do that. Mm. Of course. Yeah. I mean, this is like a simple analogy, mm-hmm. but I was watching the Beckham documentary on Netflix and his, yeah, I watch. it's really good. His, his dad was really, you know, hard on him um, mm-hmm. as an athlete and um, David Beckham kind of speaks uh, like he's got trauma around that. But yeah. then if you took that out, maybe his life would be drastically different, you know, and oh. he's got such an incredible life now. So was his dad not being the loving, nurturing father that he wanted? Um, you know, how would his life differ if, if he had that father versus the one that he had? Yeah, mm, yeah. It's, it's all about creating creating our experiences in our lives based on, you know, the the input we have and the stimulus we have and the environment we have all around us and some of the things we can control and some of them we can't, but those mm-hmm. things ultimately, again, like for better or for worse can shape us to who we are. And, and we can probably all think of an experience where someone said, you know, this thing happened to me and I would never wish this upon my worst enemy. Like, but that yeah. thing helped make me the person I am today. And so I think it's, that's the rub of it is like, we don't want to have these bad experiences passed on to, you know, future generations and our kids but recognizing like, man, I wouldn't necessarily be the person I am today. And this child might not exist had it not been for this set of consequences and circumstances that led me to who I am here. That's why it always comes back to like acceptance. And then you wonder, well, is that is, then you talk about like fate, like what is actually Mm -hmm. written to be the way it's supposed to be? Because there's this other thing in like spiritual realms where people talk about how you choose, you choose this life, right? Like you choose your parents. I'm sure you've heard that. I've heard that a lot and it's really hard. I'm not saying I wholeheartedly believe that, but a lot of me does and, and thought that before I had a child and still thinks that. And then you speak to people who have very, very deep trauma with their parents or abusers or they, you know, and you're like, but why would I, why would I choose that? You know, you, they can't reconcile that. And so that's like, that's like a, a huge, you know, discussion and topic, but it's just something interesting to think about. Mm-hmm. I always think about that. I, I believe that. Um, I, some, some of the spiritual teachers I've had in my life have told me that, um, you know, children can remember their past lives for like the first, first five years or so of their life mm-hmm. until they integrate into this lifetime and this world. Yeah. And um, Finn, my son, he actually told uh, told me one night, and I'd never gone to any of the spiritual stuff. He's like, Dad, do you know why I chose you and Mom as my parents? And he went into great detail of like where he was between lifetimes and how he chose and why he chose me and Megan. <laughs> and even he knew his brother Cole like into this great, great detail. And I was asking so many questions, and he had like, quick articulate answers to like wow. every question so i um i fully believe that they choose us but it is hard when you think about like children that are born into suffering and and not the privilege yeah. that we have here in, in in canada or in the states um yeah. it's hard to kind of understand children choosing to be born into suffering yeah. and unsafe situations yeah. so yeah. Um, and of course your son tells you this, you're going to believe that to be true in your experience. And, you know, these are things we can't make sense of. These are just things we can be open to listening to and learning. And, you know, some people will take with a grain of salt. Others may dive deep into it and decide, yes, I a thousand percent 
believe that to be true. I think I'm always, I'm just interested in those kinds of conversations and experience being open to the what if, because we don't know, you know, at the end of the day, we don't know. Mm. Well, one thing I want to kind of touch on before we wrap this conversation up, I really enjoyed following your 30 days of Delulu on Instagram. I think it was actually one of my favorite things that you've shared. It was so joyful and fun to kind of like follow your process as you, as you went through these intentions and these practices and these exercises. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of share your journey with the 30 days of Delulu and, you know, just kind of your, your views on manifestation and, and bringing the right energy into your life? Yeah, I think this manifestation thing, law of attraction, like these terms, they were things I was always doing from like very young, but there was no language. Nobody in my life said these things other than Oprah. (laughs) Oprah was the only one really who I, at one point when I was a teenager was like, oh yeah, she's kind of talking about this thing that I'm starting to understand. But so it's been kind of part of my framework of how I view my life and how I live my life, I guess, since... I would say a good half of my life, more than half my life. Um, and there was a time when I was like really on top of it. I was talking about it a lot on my YouTube channel. I was almost like naively and steadfastly, like just like on it, believed it. No one could tell me otherwise. And then 2019, 2020 happened, COVID, Black Lives Matter, learning, all these like veils were lifted and that world of mine this this world that i had framework that i had said this is how things work for me kind of just imploded (laughs) and i started reassessing a lot of these beliefs i think this is all normal stuff i mean we can't I, i think me as a person can't adopt something and then never evolve and change like this whole conversation's kind of been evolving about evolving and changing so i think at the end of the day like i still want to believe that we create our own reality i also have proof that i do that myself and other people i know but of course it doesn't explain away all the problems of the world it it really doesn't it's very complicated and i think that's just the part i decided to be ignorant to i think pre-covid and all of that was just like no i don't care like i have all the answers abraham hicks has all the answers this is like this person i listen to who talks about law of attraction and channels and stuff and now I'm a little bit more skeptical. And I think naturally I've always been a skeptic and I think it's still good to have that. But 30 days of Delulu was kind of a way for me to do a manifestation exercise and kind of revive that part of my brain that really went dormant. And I really suffered because of it. Truthfully, I allowed the weight of the world to really affect me. I started getting into a negative news spiral and like focusing a lot on that. My social media became um, overwhelming and made me feel very guilty and ashamed of who I am, where I'm from, what I do, where I live, who my family, like there was a lot of that coming out of the social justice movement that I think a lot of people were exposed to for the first time in 2020. I certainly was exposed to it for the first time. And without going too deep into all that, it just really affected like my, my footing in, in a spiritual um, realm and perspective for things. So 30 days of Julu, I just wanted to get back to what I knew to be true. I wanted to feel good. I wanted to get out of this rut where I'm confused and I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And I'm having this identity crisis as a mother and, a, and an entrepreneur. And it was just like, let's blindly just follow that stuff again. Like, I don't even 
still wholly believe it the way I do, but let's just pretend it's like fake it till you make it like act as though. So it, it helped me really get clear on just like things that I want having fun. What can I create in my mind? And like, I'm posting it on social media as though it's actually real with the intent that it will kind of be amplified by the energy of social media. Other people will rally behind it and support it as well and be excited about these ideas. And really it was just meant to be fun. Like, Life is supposed to be fun. <laughs> we forget that. We forget that, right? Because life is very complicated and serious and problematic and lots of other things, but it's also supposed to be fun. And just the world we live in has tried to get us further and further away from that. And I am sick of it. And I just wanted to get back into myself, remember what I know to be true. So that's what that exercise really was. I hope I didn't trick you. I tricked some people. They thought like, oh, I really have a vegan TV show and I really have a vegan restaurant. These are just dreams and desires that, you know, hopefully one day maybe they will come true and I can now start working towards those or just remember that these are the things that would really bring me joy. Mm. Can you share an exercise from the 30 days that was mm. most helpful for yourself or, or something that you think everyone could benefit from? I think the thing that really jump started it was my friend was encouraging me to make a vision board together with him. And I haven't made a vision board in a long time. And that's just like a fun, crafty little thing you can do. It doesn't have to be serious at all, which is why it works so well. Because if you can just get over, if you think it's silly, and even I have this, I'm like, oh, this is silly. Like I'm going through magazines and cutting out pictures of like a guy that's really hot and like a mansion and like, it's silly, but who cares? Just do it. <laughs> hmm. So like I did it and it just got me back into like feeling good because it's like going through a magazine going, I like that. I like that. I like that. It just gets you focusing on what you like as opposed to focusing on what you don't like, which is what we do all day long. We focus on what we don't like. We criticize and we judge and the. So you really got to snap out of it. It's really easy to go there. I think we have a proclivity to thinking negatively, right? It's like easier for our brains to do that than it is to think positively. So just going through magazines or things you can cut out or going on the internet and Google imaging or pin making a Pinterest board of mm -hmm. things you like and want, whatever it is visually like that and doing something with your hands, cutting and pasting, scrolling and clicking, whatever. That just helps, I think, the, get the wheels turning in the right direction. So for me, I did that. And then it was like a couple days later, this thought or this message about doing 30 days of Delulu came to me. And I was like, really attributed it to just getting in the flow by doing that vision board. So that would be my advice as just a jump start. Like if you've never made a vision board or if you've never made a Pinterest vision board, if you want to do it digitally, there's probably even vision board like apps for your phone if you want to do it that way. Um, that's just like a fun, light thing to do that might just get you feeling good. Mm. Yeah, no, that's aw that's awesome. I think it's so good. And, and maybe people have done it without even realizing. Like I often think about like, you know, uh, people all of a sudden want to get a new car and then they're like, I want a Tesla and I want it to be white. And then everywhere you go, you've noticed the white Teslas that are all out there. And it's like, it's such a simple thing. Like in, and our thoughts and our actions can create our realities. And so then you start noticing them, then you pay attention. Then maybe you start making decisions that impact your finances that allow you to do that. Or you start thinking about, Oh, could I really afford to get a Tesla? What would I need to do? And had you not had those initial thoughts of like, I really want this, be fit, be whatever, have this thing, get pursue this relationship. 
if you don't name it and kind of put it intentionally out there, then you will never necessarily make those conscious actions towards it. And that's where I yeah. think like having that vision board, having that goal, that picture of like what you want your life to look like is really, really important because then you start noticing it and you move towards it. Yeah. I mean, background of your phone, background of your laptop. You see people all the time. They're like, well, I put the background of, of my laptop as where I want to go on my vacation. Same thing, right? And then you're looking at that all day. But I would say go a step further and add more to it. Make a collage, make it bigger, whatever. Like there's yeah. just little steps you can take to kind of like increase and expand, increase and expand. And it's just baby steps. And if it feels stupid, who cares? Just do it anyways until it doesn't feel stupid, until it starts feeling more real. That's mm. the whole point. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Cool. There's a, a post that um, you shared, and I, I often put uh, Dean's like uh, the audio book that I've always wanted in my life. I just like listening to him read things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like you want Dean to read your books to you? <laughs> yes, I just Basically. want him to come put me to sleep every night. <laughs> but uh, there's a post that you shared uh, on the final day of of your kind of experience and. Um, I thought we could kind of wrap this up with kind of Dean sharing it and maybe you sharing a reflection on on that experience of release. So we're going to hear Dean's voice reading my intentions. Yes, there yes. You go. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, can, you can live this experience that I have and, and see if you two want Dean to read you uh, good night stories at the end of the night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's based off the premise of giving yourself grace and, you know, uh, receiving these lessons that life gives us some of them harder than others, but then coming to this posture of release and you say, I release, I release worry. I release the fear of letting go. I release the fear of being seen. I release the fear of change. I release all feelings of unworthiness. I release the fear of guarding my energy. I release the hesitation to trust my journey. I release all the weight of societal norms. I release negative thought spirals. I release stress about the past or the future. I release the guilt of prioritizing myself. I release the dread of uncertainty. I release the need to control what I cannot. I release comparison that robs my joy. I release all self-sabotaging behaviors. I release the chains of procrastination. I release limiting beliefs. I release all negativity clouding my vision and I release all blockages from my life. Let it be so. I didn't write that and Dean didn't write that either. <laughs> it's from a, an account called We the Urban that I follow and I, I'm, I apologize because I don't know who they are or who posts that, but I do appreciate their posts and that was just such a big one. And I was like, that's just all so detailed. And it just sounded exactly like where I'm at in like the, like the, the fear of letting go. Like we always say we want to let go, but like there's a fear behind letting go because then you don't know what's next. Cause we, we identify with our limiting beliefs. Who are we without them? You know, there's a lot of that. So this is like, a con I'm, it's a, if you're, if you aren't constantly reminding yourself and constantly being aware internally of what's going on like it, it can be overwhelming and it's like it is a lot of work it's a lot of work to be self-aware right of course ignorance is bliss but if we want to be fully actualized people and help others and show up 
as best we can for the people that we love for the world, whatever. It's like, you got to do this work. And I don't know, those, those, in, those intentions to release those things were just really on point for me. And I decided to share that the last day. Cause it was like, I just did all this manifesting, all this stuff. And it made me feel better. And yet, you know, there's still residual fear there. I think we need those daily reminders. Cause I think, you know, if you start the day with the best of intentions and by the yeah. end of the day, you know, someone cut you off or you saw something triggering on social media or, you know, the day happened and you don't have the same optimism and, and, and yeah. glee that you might have started the day with. So to kind of release all of those things at the end of the day is such a, a beautiful thing. Let go of those grudges and those angers mm-hmm. and and anything that's not, you know, serving you or your, your family and in, in the goal of, you know, being a self-actualized person that yeah. can you know, walk towards being the best versions of ourselves. And that's what I mean by it is a constant check-in throughout the day, right? Like I don't meditate every day. I used to a lot. The days I meditate go better, you know, and I'm still in my own way about it. I'm like, Oh, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know why I'm not choosing to do it for five, 10 minutes. As soon as I wake up, I'm just not. And it's like, we are our own worst enemies sometimes, right? We really get in our own way and we don't do what serves us. And we we really just have to constantly be monitoring ourselves and checking ourselves. You know, are we really living the life that we want? Are we choo- Are we really choosing what's best for us? Like it's just a constant checking in of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that we all like... Um we want to do and do and do and do and do. But I I love that this invitation that you shared is like to release, like it's not doing more. It's like letting go of things. And like, that's an important uh, kind of like reframe to be like, this can also be a way to achieve the things you want to achieve. Not necessarily by adding, just do another Uh, 10 minutes of meditation and be kind to someone today. It's like, just release some of these things, let go of some of these expectations and see what that does when you kind of create some more capacity in your life to do. Right you know, a little more good every day and every uh, interaction we may have. Right. And I think I I love, I love that invitation. I love that, you know, you, you kind of came to that and and shared that with, with all of us who, you know, are following you and cheering you on through these channels. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren. Uh, We love uh, following your, your journey, whether it's through food or Delulu or, um, you know, trips to Morocco that you're, you're leading. Um, you know, there's always exciting things that you're up to and it's, it brings joy to our hearts and to, to our lives, getting the, the privilege to get to follow along. Um, we'll, sh- we'll, sh- we'll share the Morocco, um, kind of link in the show notes so people can check sure. that out. Cause I yeah, think- it's a vegan trip to Morocco with me. So that'll That's be fun. Yes. <laughs> so thank Thanks. you so much, Lauren. And hopefully next time we're in LA or next time you're in Vancouver, we can, uh, get together and, and chat more. We'll have some juice. Yes, Lauren Toyota juice, maybe. (laughs) Thanks. All right. Thanks, Lauren. That was so fun.